devil in the detail. Hello, and welcome to this week's Devil in the Detail podcast. I'm Rob Parkinson, and we're here talking all things. So for a devil's job on the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Parkin. How's your week been, mate? Yeah, not too bad, pal. Not too bad. We're early on. Uh, obviously, a couple of days in. It's been okay, a little bit frantic with appointments and that kind of thing, as you do. But no, generally not too bad. Uh, not rained. That's a good thing. So uh, plenty of washing done. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. Other than that, it's been it's been an interesting start to the week. Certainly, Salford related. It's it, there's plenty going on. So uh, yeah, no complaints from me. Just wanted to get a little bit warmer, maybe. But other than that. Uh, all's good at this end. How's, how's things in, in, in the Parkinson household? Yeah, I had my COVID booster yesterday. Oh, got the old shakes last night in the old in bed sweats. <sighs> Didn't be that good. But need to have it because a little bit of sweating is better than the other option, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. I've been, I keep getting told off by my medical professional of a partner <laughs> who demands that I go and get my vaccine again. I've had, I think I've had four. I don't know the one. I joke this. But yeah, I, I'll have to get on to that, obviously. You've got to be very careful, aren't you? I think we've seen what can happen. So yeah, uh, yeah no, wise move, get it done. Like I say, it's short-term pain for hopefully long-term gain in, in many ways. Especially when I got it in, was it last November? Around about Halloween time. And it was then at that time when it was you know, like a 10-day thing. Yeah. And uh, day three and day seven, I was like... I was on. I was like, I think I was blowing up at like 39 sort of degrees. If it had gone any higher, I would have had to go to the hospital, I think. Luckily, I took a, I think it was paracetamol. I went back down again, but I was rough. So it is important if obviously you do get the opportunity to, to get your jab, to go and get it and keep you and everyone else safe. I was, so yeah, there's I loads think. to get at this week. We're going to look back at the Paul Rowley's men's victory against Catalan Dragons. We'll look back at Chris Bates' latest defeat at Featherstone Rovers. We've got all the big news coming out of the the club with a special Red Sub Rising share thing going on uh, and other news as well. And then we're going to have a talk about the season so far. So we'll start with the game against Catalan. You're listening to Devil in the Detail and this is your big match review. So, so for Red Devils were victorious. They beat Catalan 16 points to 14 Parker. It was a tough old game, but a win is a win. Yeah, I, I was absolutely delighted. Really. I mean, it, it, face probably didn't say it at the end, as well, <laughs> until they missed that kick. But I thought in the first half, I thought we looked really good at times. I thought mm. we looked not back to our beautiful flowing best, but certainly there was there were signs that we could do something. And with the key players missing, especially on that you know, left wing centre partnership being completely broken apart. I thought we looked okay. We, we weren't brilliant, but we were pretty good against what is it? A really good Catalan team who got players back into the squad from you know from injury. They they looked strong, and it could have been a game that could have easily gone against us. But for the first half, I thought we were really 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 good. And then obviously the game changed completely in the second half. We didn't again that that problem of us not getting enough metres not getting out of our half many reasons for that and, and not all of, of our own doing but that defensive effort that we put in in that second half is, it was incredible and I think it just shows what a special group of players we've got because we could have crumbled and we've said it a lot of times a few years ago Salford of all would have conceded 40 points in that game no doubt about it we'd have fell apart in, you know it would have been like jigsaw in a box 
but we were so resilient, you know, time after time, I'm going to go back to our line and do it again and do it again. And and again, at times, I think it breaks the opposition. I don't think they, you know, they, they know what to do. And then, like I say, against a decent Catalan team. So I think overall, it's a great, another great win that I think, I don't think we'll realise until late in the season how good these wins are. Hmm. Defence wins matches, attack shows by how many. That's what they say, don't they? And I thought, like you said, they were tremendous defensively. Catalan with them big forwards rolling on and people just laying the bodies on the line just to, to yeah. stop the score. And it was it's obviously, like you said, will be another moment where you look back through the season and you won't particularly remember that. And you'll yeah. think, oh yeah, you know, you'll think of the big moments, but you know that last ten, fifteen minutes against Catalan Dragons, where they were coming and looking, looking to you know to t- take the points, and we were we were tremendous in defence. The players knew how important it was that, that they got the points. Obviously, it's all about getting on a roll. We're three on the spin now, which which is great, and you're just kind of hoping. Obviously, they'll have a week off now, won't they? Recharge mm-hmm. the batteries and get ready for the next challenge. Yeah, I think, again, just going back at that, you know, we, we had major issues in the second half getting out of our I don't think we did get out of our half, to be mm. fair, at any point. I'm, I'd be, be amazed how many times if we did, except for we got the penalty, obviously, early on, which was wisely kicked. And, and so it proved in the end, but that's what you do. You, you're in the lead like that, just keep edging and edging. Take whatever you can. Uh, but the defence, I mean, the, the, the players must have been out on the feet anyway, so to make mm. any metres out of there was, was going to kill us. But it shows that some of them lads are, are obviously you can see in them that they're they're hurting that you know that a few of them are broken at the moment and this sort of best part of two weeks really to get off now he's he's going to be massive for the club massive chance for the lads to go away recharge and and come back but they're going away on the back of three wins mm. and th- and they're three very very tough wins that could have all gone the opposite way we could have lost all three of them at any point I know they were all close games but I I do also think we were probably the better team. In, in all of them, you know, for, for large parts. So, no, it, it was a brilliant effort. Some really standout performances, players putting their bodies on the line just time after time. And it's, it's just, I think it just goes to show what they've got. And, you know, later in the season, these are key wins that are going to help us stay in them playoffs. And, I think you know, fingers crossed, we get players back and we get back to our best when the sun's out and the pitches are perfectly dry. And, you know, it wasn't too bad the other day, but... And then when we are, you know, if we do click, we are going to be a very dangerous team. But uh, that work rate is second to none. The defence, working for each other, fighting for each other. It's so sort of heartwarming to see, really. Mm. Joined by uh, Paul Whiteside. Paul, keeping Britain warm. Uh, how's your day been? Yeah, busy, busy, busy. Been in Wigan today. I was a bit busy around dinner time and I had a job cancelled and then I caught a bit of time up and... Coming at Central Wigan, I thought oh, I could murder something to eat and you know get a sarnie or something. And I come across the Tesco's, which used to be Central Park. So I thought, yeah. oh, they'll just park up in here. So I had a wander inside there, and yeah, there had some old photographs in there. I had to wander around, and I was trying to work out where the pitch would be and think because I know the River Douglas went down the side, didn't it? And that, and yeah, it's interesting, yeah. a bit nostalgic, really. So yeah, I'm, I'm a bit like a bit of a geek like that sometimes. <laughs> stuff. But do you know, I think I saw though, and I'm sure it was him. I was coming back out of Wigan after I'd been, I was working in the college, I was coming through the town centre, there was a car turning at the lights, it was Joe Burgess, <laughs> was it me at the lights, I'm sure it was him, because I could tell, I thought, that's Joe Burgess, then he drove past me, and I'm 99% certain it was him, but he didn't see me, but, well, yeah, Walk, so a good day. Good walking day, around yeah. Tesco, massive eyes, shoplifters, security is thinking, <laughs> what's he doing, mooching around aimlessly, 
<laughs> I only go in for a monster and a sandwich, mate. Myself a bit of a bit of, bit of energy, energy boost. Yeah, keep me going. So, talk about the Catalan win. Your thoughts on that? Oh, I thought it was a great win. I thought it was a, it was a physical, tough, tough rugby league game, wasn't it? I mean, uh, sometimes people say, "Oh, it's it's not as good when there's not loads of tries." And that game was exciting. Don't have to have a load of tries in it. I mean, I don't even think we got over the halfway line in the second half. It was just wave after wave of sort of Catalan attack and. I've not seen defence like for a long time. The way they kept them out, the grit, the determination, that's that's what winning sides and, and sort of playoff challenging sides are built on. And and I was thrilled, absolutely thrilled to get the result. And yeah, we're doing it tough anyway. I think you were just saying there about the players that are missing. Uh, you could see them all sat in front of us in the, in the stand on, on Sunday. So to do it to do it tough like we're doing against, you know, Catalans and no mugs, uh, they're, they're a tough side. And I thought I was absolutely thrilled with the result. Yeah, obviously my main concern is that we can't get out of our 40. And obviously we're moaning because we're, we're fifth in the league, looking up rather than down, Parky. But teams know that they squeeze us early in the tackle count and we struggle. And all we can do is kick out from our 40 and try and force errors. And every, it seemed every time an error was forced, we went up towards the cat and line and either scored or nearly scored. A bit more composure would have added a few more points. But I don't know how you fix that because of the obviously the the way rally ball works you, you don't really I think the, the problem is when we know what it is we, we haven't got the, the, the forwards as in mm. the size and the bulk to get us on a roll like that I do think at times especially on Sunday I think I think Catalan were very good at keeping us on the ground a little bit longer than they should in the tackle yeah. to slow our play the ball down so it makes it it makes it slightly more difficult so other than going out and signing you know three massive props, which clearly is not going to happen. We have to stick with the way we play. It was worrying in the second half because obviously you're then always on the back foot. You're never out your own half. You've got to defend a lot more. But I think bringing the, the likes of, of Tim Lafayette back in will definitely help because he causes havoc when he's got the ball. He knocks people over. He takes two or three men in. He gets a quick play of the ball. He'll get an offload and he'll create that space for, for us to make the metres that we need. Kenny Seals, another one when he's, you know, he comes from the back line and he comes inside and he drives the ball in. You know, he, he causes he causes problems and he gets us on a roll. Joey Burgess is very good at it. Yeah, when you get them players together, probably bringing him back, a, a, you know, an Alex Gerrard with his extra size is going to help eventually when we can get them all on the pitch. But until then, that's that's not the way it works. But So we've got to rely on other parts of the game, which, as we've said already, was our defence this week. Yeah, if you know, you just got to put that extra work in. We're not, we're not going forward greatly, which does need fixing. But like you also said, when we do get the chance, we're a very dangerous side. Mm. And I think, I think teams will look at it and think, yeah, they may think, well, if we pin them down there, we know they're not a threat. But then they've got to work out how to score past those. I mean, how many mm. points have we had to concede in the last few weeks? Not many, you know, no. or, or not, not greatly in terms of the possession and, and, and position on the pitch. So how many points have actually been scored against us? If you, if you weighed that up, it's actually, you know, it's a fantastic effort. So I'm not overly worried. Like I said, we're not playing scintillating rugby at the moment. We're not maybe as at our peak. But when we do get to our peak, all this is great signs. We've got all this resilience behind us. We know how to win games. We know how to do it tough. But also when we can get that flare going, it, we, we know how good we're going to be. Yeah, sign of a good side, Paul. Don't play well, still win. 
Yeah, I know, I know. I get what you're saying as well. And you, you, when you think to the playoffs and, and like grand finals and things like that, how many grand finals and playoff games are, are, are won by scintillating rugby? They're not. It's always peeing it down and someone wins 12, 10 or something. So you, you have got to be masters at, at grinding wins out as well. Yeah, we all want to see the good rugby and that, but it's horses for courses, isn't it? You, you've just got to go with what you've got. And at the moment, like you said, you just reamed off there, Tim Lafayette, Parky said Tim Lafayette and Ken Seal. They're two massive holes out of the team. Look how many yards Tim Lafayette makes. Look how hard Tim Lafayette is to tackle. Not taking anything away from Matty Costello and Reese Williams, who've been terrific for us. So, so yeah, we do lack a bit of, of grunt in the forwards. I think Gerard's a big miss forward. He's a, he's a big man, takes a lot of tackling. I think he's he's been a miss. I don't know what's up with Adam Sidlow. He's, he's been out for a while, hasn't he, as well? We've not seen him last few weeks. He's another big man. Uh, but yeah, teams have got have worked us out a bit. I think. I think you, you watch us now and some of the moves and that that we tried last season. I think teams have cottoned onto it and, and they, they're a bit wiser to it. But you know, like Parky just said, there. Look how many points we conceded. Thought the defense was great against Cass. I thought it was brilliant against Catalans. I mean, you look at the Wigan game. The Wigan game was a real battle, and we ran out of troops, didn't we? Otherwise, yeah. we would have won that game. So you know, but if we won now, well, the games that we've lost. We've been lucky in quite a few of them. We've not been absolutely battered, have we? So uh, I've been pleased with it with the start of the season. I was thrilled to bits with that with that win against Catalan. Yeah, just have a quick look through the timeline of the game. Salford open the scoring. Uh, King Bunny Iowa crashing over the line. Lovely assist by Andy Ackers Parker to send the big Fijian over. Yeah, I mean we we missed Andy while he was out, didn't we? What a difference he makes to the team. He's he's a, you know he's a leader as well. He's very vocal on the pitch when you watch him. He's always you know guiding us round but yeah a little bit of class from him there I didn't think King was going to make it to be honest like he was going to crash before the line I was terrified but no delightful for the big guy to get over for a, for a score and we scored first for a change which is something we don't generally do we always go behind um, so when we scored first I thought is that a bad sign I'm not I'm not the, the sure but uh, no it got us off to a great start didn't it you know something to, to build from which we, we did really yeah bit of game management then Mark Steed kicks a penalty Paul, but then Tom Johnson hits back with a try from Catalan from a scrum, ball over the top, our defence rushes in, again, gets caught out, goes over in the corner. That come from Mark Sneed, coughing the ball, didn't he, from the kickoff, I think, didn't he mm. make a mess of the kickoff? Mm. I mean, he nearly made a mess of another one, but he fumbled forward, he did really well to, to take that one in, so yeah, it came from a mistake, really, you can't really give that, that Tom Johnston room, he, he's a good player, isn't he? One thing I noticed with him, He's got a fantastic upper body strength and all. He's so hard to tackle, and he's really, really is a big lad. So uh, yeah, it was a disappointing try to concede, but you know that Johnson's a good finisher, and he finished that well. Yeah, and then two minutes before half time, Joe Burgess Parker lights up the Salford City Stadium with a eighty meter burst, slides over the line with uh, Tom Johnson in pursuit, and Salford go into half time leading fourteen four. Yeah, really, really good break from, from Joe. And that's what I'm saying. When he brings it out of backfield, he is a dangerous player. And any broken field, any any defender, you know, having a second to himself, he'll target him and he'll go. And then once he was through the gap, I know I know he got caught, kind of, but it, I, I didn't think he was ever not going to score. I really just thought he was going. And then you could see his legs sort of going a little bit as he, he got close to the line. And I think that was, I think he said himself, didn't he, in the interview after the game, that was more him concentrating on what was behind him rather than just pinning his ears back thinking I'm going to score I think he was too worried about being caught I think if he'd just gone he'd, he'd have scored anyway but no it was, a, it was a great try and that's I mean that's the kind of stuff we love to see that's solved that's what we want to see you know 
Reese Williams got the ball, quick tap. Let's get on with it. Let's play, you know, and, and off we go. But uh, yeah, it was a good chase. It was a good chase. And I, I just want to echo what Paul said there about Johnson. If he stays fit, I think he's probably, along with probably Tommy Makinson, the best best winger, in, in, in certainly an English winger, and should be, you know, international. I do worry, though, because a few times again on the weekend, he went down holding his knee. And he's got problems with that. So that might hold his career back, but he's a superb player. And yeah, Paul, like Paul, so when he was in front of us, I didn't realise how big he actually is. He's a big winger. So uh, yeah, not not surprising nearly caught Joe, but uh, no, we held on and it was a great try. Yeah, we call Joe Birdish the Rolls Royce of, of a winger. It just glides, doesn't seem to be going very fast, but able to, to go into fifth gear and show people a clean pair of heels. Paul and you know obviously Tom uh, Johnson tried his best to catch him but he used the uh, the weather conditions to his advantage and slid over he did I tell you what that referee that Chris Kendall kept up with him on all didn't he if you've watched the replay <laughs> yeah. he's right there isn't he so he must he must be able to shift a bit so uh, it was a good try though and um, I think we de- we deserved that 10 point lead at our time I think there was a time there where Catalan were attacking before we got that try. And I remember thinking, blimey, we, we could go in here behind here. We've had all this possession this first half and they, they could wind up going in front. So I think we deserved the 10-point lead at half-time. It was just to start for a, a real good first half from us. And, and, and like you said before, we probably should have had a few more points on the board. But but no, a 14-4 lead, I think that, that, that did the first half justice. Yeah, so second half, we struggled to get out of our 20. <clears throat> Catalan Dragons turned up the pressure. Try from Paul Seguer, kick through. Defence not able to deal with it. He pounces on the ball. Score, Parker. Yeah, we, he should have been dealt with, really. I'm, I'm not going to bag Ellis Longstaff for it. But, you know, he hasn't played a lot, whether he was, you know, totally on it. And he was playing in the centre because, obviously, what happened to, to Matty Costello, I, I still... I don't know if anyone's actually had a close look at that, but it, it, that seemed like a bad incident. Anyway, but yeah, it was, it, it's just one of them bounces. It could have gone anywhere, couldn't it? Or he could have got his hand to it and knocked it dead. Or it just didn't. It was ifs and buts. And, and the, you know, fair play to the Catalan lad. He was there to bounce, but a uh, bit of bad luck at that point in the game. And that's where you start to think, here we go. This is, you know, they've come out fired up. They'll be, you know, obviously they've had a bit of a rocket off of McNamara at half time. And, this could get trickier, and I think we knew that there was going to be an onslaught anyway from a you know an excellent sort of Catalan team. So that that was when it was time to dig in, you know, and and fight for each other because you know one player's made an error there really in judgment with the ball. Let's you know let's work for each other and and, and make sure that's not not going to cost us in the end. Yeah. So wave after wave after wave of Catalan attack, we repel them until the last two minutes. Paul, when Adam is it Kieran? Cuts back inside, slides over the line to make it 16-14 with a kick to come. How would you feel? Yeah, well, to be honest with you, that second half, I, I always thought it was quite comfortable was dealing with them. I did think Catalan sort of dragged us into a bit of a, a, a bit of a niggle fest. I thought they were really, really niggling. I thought some massive hits going in. And it, it seemed to me like the game was going to boil over at one point because there were some monstrous hits going in. One player who, who I think... He's retiring at the end of the season, Sam Tompkins, and I think he needs to because he was in the referee's ear that much. And to me, when a, when a player goes like that, his legs are gone. He's whinging at the referee all the time. I think you, you need to retire. So I thought he was out of order. I thought there was a lot of cheap shots going in there as well from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and yeah, he did kick off a few times, didn't it? But, but no credit to us. I thought they'd kick that goal and take it to extra time. I didn't think that was going to miss. It, it, it looked all right. Like, you know, 
a fairly steady kick, but oh, it was brilliant when it, when it missed. It was yeah. it was tremendous. Louise Felling was sat next to me and she was going mad. So so no, it was great that when that missed. We give each other an high five and it was <laughs> it was it was good, but we forgot there's still ten seconds left, so they're getting the ball back. But but no. I think it, to be honest with you, I thought in the build up to that try, they knocked it on mm-hmm. with the play the ball. I'm sure they did. So yep. so yeah. yeah, I think I think we we got what we deserved out of the game. I think we thoroughly deserved the two points. Yeah, it was Don Fox all over again, Parker. Yeah, I, I didn't watch the kick. I put my head down and <laughs> listened to the, the cheer, and it was the loudest uh, noise I'd heard out, this, out, out, the, the, well, out of the stadium for about two years, I think. It was unbelievable. But I had a feeling, I don't know why, I just had a feeling he was going to miss. I don't know what it was. I mean, it wasn't a difficult kick, but I think he's a left footer, and kicking from that side's a little bit more difficult, isn't it? So you're going across. But, uh, no, I mean, we, you know, we're lucky to get away with that in that way, but it's a poor refereeing decision that nearly costs us. You know, if that goes into Golden Pie extra time, they get the ball and drop a goal. We get nothing out of the game. That's a knock-on. He didn't knock on as in onto the floor. He knocked it back onto his own player's foot, who played the ball in front of him, from what I can recall. Therefore, it is a knock-on. And, and you saw the Catalan players all sort of size of say, oh, we've lost it, that's it, game. And the Salford players all put their hands up to say, referee's knocked on. You know, the less said about Chris Kendall, I think the better from me, because I'll probably end up getting sued or something. But uh, <laughs> I think, I thought the first half he refereed the game brilliantly. I thought he was, you know, he was out of the game, really. He wasn't involved. He let the game go. In the second half, it, it felt like somebody, some of the decisions were a bit strong and, and didn't, he didn't get them right. There was one way, I think it was Tompkins who kicked off on our try line when he'd lost the ball. And he starts, you know, trying to throw digs. And I think it was Almond who may have been on the floor at the time. And the referee pulls him out and gives a scrum. Well, he's dropped the ball, but he's actually then gone to hit a player. It's a penalty. He's no, you know, we're on our try line. He gives us a scrum in front of our own posts, which is of no advantage. Another one he got wrong. There was so many. I can't work him out. I don't know. We overcame that. And that's another another sign that, you know, sometimes we're not going to get the call. I mean, we rarely do, but when, you know, you've got to make the most of it when you do. But uh, no, br- brilliant effort. And then missing that kick, like you say, it was just the, the relief, the side, because we, we deserved it. It would have been an injustice if we hadn't won that game. Yeah, it was meant to be. What will be, will be. And he misses the kick because he was supposed to. So, yeah, so so far we're victorious. I spoke to Chris Atkin, Matty Costello, and Sam Stone after the game, and this is what they had to say. So I'm joined by uh, Chris Atkin. Big win today, that? Yeah, huge. Uh, obviously, going into the, the break and Catalan being, you know, having a really good start to the season, we knew it was going to be a tough game. And obviously, fans are saying it's not the, the way we put points on teams last year, but we're, we're doing things differently and winning games we might not have done last year. Is that show the character of the team that you've obviously got different ways of winning? You can obviously play sort of fairy tale rugby or you can grind results out. Yeah, I don't think it's, you know, in an ideal situation, we know we, we, know we can score points and we're, we're still working hard to, to fix things up. We're not saying that that's a perfect performance, but, you know, sometimes you've got to take the two points and move on. Yeah, how was it down the middle of us, then big forwards running running around, you getting stuck in, stopping running around? Yeah, they've obviously got some some big players and we, we knew we had to front up and try and match them in the middle and I think we did that really well in parts and we just, like I said, got to keep keep getting better and keep working hard. Yeah, week off now, uh, obviously chance to recharge the batteries and go again. 
Yeah, a bit of time off. Uh, obviously, we work hard in pre-season and, and we've had a really good start to the season now, so I think we'll draw a, sign, a line in the sand, um, regroup, have a bit of a rest and come you know, ready for the back end of the season. Fifth in the league now. When do you start sort of looking at the table and thinking, you know what, this could be a playoff moment this for us? It's still a long way away, I think. You know, look at what we did last season. You know, we've kind of left it to the last minute of we had to keep winning games and we sort of spoke that we want to, you know, put ourselves in a better position. We've, we've done that now at this break. Uh, and obviously we'll go into the Challenge Cup games as well, so it'll give us a different focus. We'll regroup, assess where we're at and, and find ways to get better again. Brilliant. Cheers, Chris, and good luck. So I'm joined by uh, Stam, Sam Stone. Big win today. Yeah, it was a good win, mate. You know, I thought I thought we were going to have to go an extra time there at the end and really made it hard ourselves on the end, but I think the way we played in the first half really set up a good win. How was it down the middle? Obviously, Catalan bring a lot of lot of power, a lot of big forwards. You're in the mix every, every, every set. Yeah, yeah, I felt like that. Um, you know, we had a big focus on defence this week, so um, that was that was a lot of my role, and I think for the most part we did a pretty good job. Yeah, fifth place, three wins on the spin. How far can this team go? Mate, you know, if we're, if we're all working together, we're all pushing in the right direction, so let's just, um, you know, continue playing footy, take it one week at a time and see where we are in the playoff picture. Yeah, um, week off this week, opportunity to, to sort of rest your body a bit and build for the next 10 games. That's it, mate. Yeah, let's do the right things over the next few days and then get get back in ready to, uh, I don't even know who we have next, but make sure we're feeling fresh for our next game. Next game's Leeds away. Okay. Our record's not the greatest at Leeds, but three on the spin, yep. this team playing well. And think it up. Yeah, I think, you know, take, getting teams after a loss is always difficult. You know, I think Leeds are going to be coming up off that loss against, was it Lee? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, they'll be uh, working hard over this little break period and uh, I'm expecting a tough game. Brilliant. Cheers for joining us and uh, good luck. So I'm joined by uh, Mac, Matty Costello. Good win today. Yeah, very good. Um, tough periods in the full game. Um, got really lucky at the end with the two points, but I'm sure Sneedy would have slotted the one anyway. Yeah, you were in the in the wars a bit with a bit of an head bang. Are you feeling all right now, complimenters? Uh, I can't wait to go and get in bed, to be honest. But, um, yeah, I was I was out for a bit, uh, chilling on the floor. Yeah. But Ellis stepped in and he, he killed it, didn't he? So. Yeah, good win today. Obviously, you know, Catalan bring ferocity. They bring big, big forwards as well. Um, worked so hard in that second half. Yeah, we did. We spoke about it before, how physical they were going to be and how much of a challenge it would be. Uh, but we fronted up and I thought we did really well. And how, how do you feel you've done? Obviously, you know, deputising for injured uh, Tim Lafay, playing very well. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with my performances this year. I um, feel like the coach have helped me set my game up to another level. Um, yeah, and I'm really enjoying the minutes I'm getting. And that's, why, that's why I call you 8, eight out of 10 Costello. That's why you've got a nickname like this. I'll take that every week. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, fifth, fifth in the league, um, you know, three games on the spin, now win. Uh, how far can this team go? Uh, hopefully last year another step further uh, or two I think we've got the calibre for it and we've proven it with competing with good teams and just losing by little amounts so I think we're all pretty happy and positive with where we're at yeah week off now um, obviously time to recharge and ready for the next uh, next 10 games yep I'll be going to Portugal tomorrow chilling with a few of the boys <laughs> and then uh, come back and work hard on Friday and Saturday good. ready for next week good luck enjoy yourselves you've earned it so obviously, Paul, the boys, all sort of happy with the result and looking forward to a week off. Yeah, yeah, they've got a week off. I think they have a couple of days off this week anyway. So I think, I think they deserve it. I think, you know, just speaking to the players after the match, they've had some tough games. I mean, it's been a tough month. You know, the Cass game was an hard game. It wasn't really a hard-fought game. The Catalans game, they played Lee. 
the Wigan game, they've all been really, really hard-fought matches. And when you've got a small squad and they're all doing big minutes, you know, you, you need that bit of a, a refresh now, don't you? And perhaps have a few, what do you, I don't know, massages and ice baths or whatever they do to re- go swimming and all that carry on, you know, to, to just, just, just rest, rest your muscles up and then go. We've got a big game at Leeds, haven't we, next up? So it doesn't get any easier. But I think if you ask Paul Rowley, you know, where we are at the moment with 12 points, I think it would be over the moon. It's a terrific start to the season. And we're starting to look consistent as well now, you know, three games on the spin. And like like people have said, supporters have said, not playing like out of this world, but winning matches. And the effort and endeavour from the players, I think, has been top-notch. Absolutely top-notch. And I think there's a few players that looked a bit tired, I think, at the weekend. Tyler Dupree looked, looked absolutely goosed, didn't he, coming off at the end. So I think, you know, this, this little... Sort of international sort of break. Well, he won't get a break. He's in the England squad, isn't he? But the rest of the players that you know need that that bit of time off to recuperate, I think, and then come back stronger the week after. Yeah, looking at the stats, uh, top tacklers: Callum Watkins twenty-eight, Andy Acker's forty-three, Sam Stone thirty-four, Olive Parson thirty-four, and Tyler Dupree twenty-nine. Parker all putting a shift in there. Yeah, I thought I thought Watkins did more than that. I thought he was involved in every tackle in that second half. He seemed to be involved in all sorts. Yeah, I, I want to mention Sam Stone. I've been I, I've been really impressed with him over the last few weeks. I think he's getting better and better. I thought at the start he looked, I don't know, I, I don't know if he was going to be our type of player, but when you watch his work rate and it, he's really coming into the game, so I, I'm glad to see him getting a mention there. Because I noticed that Shane Wright didn't play big minutes this week. Hmm. He seems to spend a lot of time off the park. So whether he's carrying or not, another one. So this break has, has come at the right time, like Paul said. It gives us you know a chance to rest. But a lot of a lot of hard work. Andy Akers, again, there, you know, putting in a, a proper shift in, in defence there. I mean, that's you know, it's a lot of work. But they spread it about, you know, but they're all helping each other. And I think we lost Matty Costello, so you're down a man. It's it, it was a great effort, but a lot of defence there, a lot, a lot of work in that second half. Yeah. Top meter makers, um, Joe Burgess 158, Reese Williams 88, and the forwards, Sam Stone 63, Callum Watkins 67, Tyler Dupree 75, and Shane Wright 60. Paul. What was that? Meters, meters, mm. was it that you said? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, well, I, you know, it was it was tough for the forwards, wasn't it? You know, like we said before, Callum's got a big pack, and uh, I think we knew what they were going to do, come and try and steamroll us, but for, for me, they, they didn't bust us. I don't think they really bust us down the middle at all. I mean, the tries, I know it was three tries to two to Catalans, wasn't it? But they didn't break through and, and smash us down the middle. And I thought our forwards did well. I thought it was a, a real tough game. We didn't like, you said in that second half, we, we didn't really get out of our own half. But, you know, sometimes you've got to, you know, put your, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Put your, your foot to, forward? No, put your something to the wheel, I think it is, isn't it? You, Shoulder? Like Shoulders to the wheel, that's the one. Cheers, bro. It's been a long day. <laughs> You know, yeah, so you've got you've got to just muscle it out, haven't you? And they, they talk about the arm wrestle, don't they, and things like that in the modern day rugby league. And that was it was a massive arm wrestle and we came up on the other side of it. It's like audio catchphrase then. <laughs> <laughs> What's Mr. Chip doing now? Yeah. <laughs> so big thanks for your three word match reports at Man of the Matches. Mark, we dug deep, Burgess, Trev. He wasn't happy with Sam Tompkins, Watkins. Colin Wilson, defence wins matches, Watkins. Richard Martin, superb, resolute defence, Watkins. Chairman Bob, Dirty Dragon Slade, King V. 
David Deakin, defence was immense, every single one of them. Matt Young, attack so clunky, Williams. Ricky Pini's dogs in sale, Salford tip scales, Croft. Dr. Gareth Lyons, slay the dragons on St. George's Day. Matt, some defensive effort, Dupree. And in Lancashire, hold my breath, Burgess. OFS, top defensive effort, Watkins. Anito, she wet her pants, Croft. Parker, you said unbelievable defensive effort, Watkins. Natalie Taylor, Poor referee again, Reese Williams. Paul Whiteside's mate, Roy Ellaby. Great defensive effort, Callum Watkins. Nicholas Fletcher, effort, not clinical, Watkins. Patrick Conley, far too tense, Watkins. Alan Rowley, Ackers, Andy Ackers for England. Dave Hayes, defence, defence, defence. David Snape, incredible defence. Callum Watkins, Park. A lot of people talking about the efforts in defence. And like we've said, you know, it's a massive part of the game. If your defence is solid, that you'll win matches. Yeah, and it's just it's just that that extra effort, that turning up for each other, and you know, I mean, they must have been so drained at times in that second half, but they never they never slacked off. They never never give you know Catalan a minute really, and every, like Paul said, there they never really came through us. Mm. You know, despite all but all the ball they had and all the territory, we we yeah, we really muscled up. We were we were excellent in defence. Um, and like you say, you know, they scored a try off a kick, which the bounce favours them. They get a try at the end where, yeah, I mean, it's a good good finish by the guy, but, you know, it, it shouldn't have been at that point. It should have been a scrum and they, they wouldn't have had the ball anyway. So, we, yeah, I think defence does win your games. It's, you know, it's a simple statement, isn't it? But it does. And so some of them some of them efforts, I mean, Callum Watkins got a lot of mentions there. That's why I was surprised. I thought he did, I thought he did about 700 tackles. But anyway, you know, he, he, was, he was always there. And he never seems to be on, out on his feet. Never seems to be tired. So uh, massive credit to him. Obviously, I mean a, a, a top pro. But no, they, they make sense. The man of the match reports are absolutely spot on. Yeah, I said funny old game at Kin. Chris Fitcher, Chris Fisher. Unbelievable in defence, Croft. Tom Kitchen used to lose those. Burgess, Andrew Jackson, great defence effort. Dupree, uh, Myla Murphy, close, good enough. Burgess. Mike Farrell, good old Solly. And uh, that's it. So, big thanks to three with Matchbots Man. It's always great. Paul, when people give us their reaction just after full time, you get a, a good picture of what people think. Yeah, you do. Yeah, because it's it's like it's coming from your heart, isn't it? I suppose when you say it straight after the match. I mean, you, you couldn't agree, disagree with any of them, really. I mean, I think you could have given it probably anybody. I think there was some massive efforts. Like you said there, Callum Watkins. I was working with a, a lad who worked who work with quite a lot as a Wakefield supporter. And, he, we were chatting today actually and he was saying about Watkins how good he is for you and how they could do with someone like that in their team and I think we're blessed to have him really I think he's, he's been tremendous uh, this season and I think the only time he did look tired on Sunday was when he was banging that drum at the end in the changing rooms <laughs> so oh, he gets through an absolute stack of work and yeah. like Parker said I think with, with Callum as well it's his experience he's got a massive experience and that'll rub off on other players as well you know that leadership on, on the on the pitch so yeah I, I, he'd probably go down as my man of the match I, I thought Chris Atkin as well came off the bench did a, did a great job he's I don't want to call him a super sub because I think he's more than that but at the moment he, that's what he's been he's, he's, he's doing this interchange role with Oliver Partington I think he's given us another dimension you know there's so much teams have to think about when he comes on he, he's got a good kicking game he's very clever he's another pivot as well so so yeah I thought Chris played well but I think for me I'd, I'd, I'd go with Callum Watkins I think he just edged it I thought he was fabulous 
Yeah. So let's move on to our ladies. They were in Challenge Cup action this weekend. They played Featherstone Rovers. Unfortunately, they were defeated 22 points to eight on the community pitches outside the Salford City Stadium on Sunday. Parker, it was a tough game. Battling performance from Chris Bates' ladies. Unfortunately, a few injuries with Sam Evans and, and Louise Fellon and both going off injured during the game. So even despite having uh, sort of a lack of creative pivots, they still battled on. But unfortunately, to defeat. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. First crack at the, the the cup competition again. A bit like the you know the men's team. We probably haven't got the biggest squad, and you start losing players, and your league form will, will take a hit doing that. But coming up against Feb, we mentioned last week. You know, like like Cass, proper you know rugby league town, and they'll they'll have no problem you know, bringing players in and that kind of thing. They'll all know the game inside out, which many of our girls are still learning on on the run, really. So uh, you've just got to look up. We've, we've had that one league game. We've won that. You know, injuries are, are going to be part and parcel. You know, it is going to be tough this year. Uh, and that's just an early indication of how tough it, it could be. Yeah, second half, Paul, no subs. Obviously, Louise Fellingham going off. Uh, Liana Leota head collision with Louise Fellingham. So she went off. Sam... Evans went off injured as well. So, obviously, when you've got no bench to rotate, it becomes a very difficult game. Yeah, it does. And I think the Featherstone side, they've been together for a number of years, haven't they, that team? And, you know, they're quite experienced. And, you know, it was a tough game. They're a good side. But, no, I spoke to Louise in the half-time in the second half. And she had a right... I was sat next to her, actually. And she had a right shiner. And she'd had to have, I think, six or seven stitches as well. So... Luckily, the doctor was there, so they sorted it out. Otherwise, she probably would have gone to hospital. So she's really in the wars in that game, and I think that just shows the commitment levels that the ladies are putting in. You know, real bruising and count, and sometimes you get that, don't you? And they just run out of numbers there. Really, you can't play without any subs. Really, you're going to really struggle. Yeah, Fev opened the scoring. Ellie Lamb scored out wide after two minutes, and then seven minutes later, Salford got on the board from Vicky Kinney out wide. Quick hands, she dived over in the corner. It was four all, Parker. Yeah, obviously a tight, you know, a tight sort of first period, and it's it, it, it's when it it's when it gets tough that we're going to find out how you know how good our girls are. We know we know how good they can be, and you know we've seen it all last year, and and, and watching the cast game last week, they were they were brilliant. But it's when the times get get hard and you do lose key players that that's when it gets tough. So I expected them to start big. I really did because I think. From from what I'd seen on social media, and, and they were really up for for the cup, really quite a bit, you know, a bit of excitement around it, and it being at home, you know, and having our own supporters around. Um, so yeah, they would have been keyed up, and it, you know, you have to get off to to a bit of a flyer. But again, you're playing against the next level of players at the moment. This is a, a huge step. We're not just going to dom- dominate games at times. You know, we're scoring 40, 50, 60 points. These these are a lot better than than what we're used to, and uh, it's going to take a little bit of time. To get used to that, to get used to the arm wrestles, and so it's no, it's no, you know, there's no disappointment there in, in, in coming off the game defeated. But you know, we were in it, we were in the game for, for you know for periods, and that's that's all we can ask for at the moment. Yeah, so we had 20 minutes of arm wrestles then, and then Fev scored through Billington, and then five minutes later we had the big head collision between Fellingham and Leota, so they both went off, and then three minutes before half-time, Billington went over for Feverson to take them into half-time, leading 12-4, Paul. Yeah, well, that's what good teams do, don't they? They'll spot the advantage there, and obviously they took advantage of that, and yeah, it was always going to be tough then. 
it was going to be a massive ass, wasn't it? You know, you lose your pivots and, you know, you lose that experience and that leadership as well. And, you know, Ferguson, decent side, aren't they, as I said before. And, um, yeah, it was just, just unfortunate. Really. But I think the good thing is, like we said before, the Challenge Cup, it's not a knockout, is it, for the ladies? It's it's a group game, isn't it? So they, they can come again. They've got they've got other chances, haven't they? I was just looking at the scores today. So there is, a, I think there's a four, three or four teams in the group. So they've got another chance, uh, you know, to, to come back. Yeah. So second half started well for Salford. Sage Bannister scored. Kicked by Demi Jones. Sage Bannister collected and, and went over in the corner. I like the look of this Sage Bannister. I saw her against Wigan at fullback. She caught everything. Made some great tackles. She played on the wing this week. I think uh, Kate Gary went off injured. She went on the wing. And she made a tackle. Made a made a sort of some weaving runs, Parker. You know, I, I think she, she'll add a lot to this squad. Yeah. And, it's you know, we, we obviously need a fresh injection as well on top of the, you know, the girls that we had from, from last year. You've got to freshen the squad up and bring in, you know, new talent along the way. But you mentioned there again, you know, uh, players that are missing, players that are injured. And mm. they, they, that's that's the, the, the big key this year for us. We're not going to be able to just, you know, carry some, carry on without these players. I mean, Louise is a massive indicator of how good we are. You know, she's on the park. We've, we've got a great chance. And all last week, Demi didn't play. You know, we, we got the win and a great win, but... You know, it's tricky, and then obviously Sam goes missing, and we can't afford to keep picking up injuries like that. With, with the, you know, the size of squad that we've got, it is going to have a massive impact, and especially like say someone like Louise, who's, you know, she, she, she's the general, and she, she's the one that leads us around, and you can become a little bit rudderless at times. And once you've lost the game that way, it's very difficult to get back on top. Yeah. So twelve eight at that point. Five minutes later. Chloe Walter scored to make it 16-8. But had a disallowed try. Uh, Tasker Curran, unfortunately not given uh, by the referee. And then five minutes later, Lamb scored for Featherson uh, to put the, the dagger through the Salford Arts and, and demos to our first Challenge Cup defeat. Well, yeah, yeah. This is, it's disappointing to lose any game, Rob, isn't it? But I think with all the adversity there in that game it was always going to be a tough second half wasn't it and, you know battered and bruised team but you know heads held high you move on from that and you can learn a lot from defeat sometimes can't you and it battle hardens you as well so I'm sure the, the ladies will bounce back from that but no it was a tough day at the office yeah I spoke to Chris Bates after the game is what he had to say Coach's Corner we're joined by Salford Devils Ladies, head coach Chris Bates, welcome to the show. Defeat against Feverston in the Challenge Cup. Talk us through it. Yeah, I think I think um, before the game we spoke about as a, as a coaching team we spoke about how excited we were to get kind of onto that field with with them at that level. So Feverston are a, a well established competitive Super League team. Um, so if you look at where they were at last year, then they played twelve games in Women's Super League Two. Warrington dominated that league and went unbeaten. So so two games against them that they lose. Um, and then their stats outside of that are played 10-1-8, lost two. Um, they are a really strong, established Super League team. Um, they play dominant through their middles, is what we were expecting, and look to be really aggressive in and around that ruck area and really make sure they, they not only win it, but they dominate it. Um, and then they look to hit you wide. They've got one centre in particular in Chloe Billington, who's a you know she's a real player, Chloe, and, um, and causes trouble through that first half. So that's what, what we kind of expected going in. Um, 
And that's exactly what we got. So I was really disappointed to concede first set of the game. We kicked to them. That's an opportunity for us to step into that battle as a pack. And, and we really missed that opportunity. We didn't go bodies in front. They walked upfield and scored in the corner on the right edge. Um, and, and I was really disappointed with that. Um, but we grew into the game from there. So um, we we pretty with some strong carries from Serena and Emma Hickey and Meg doing some fantastic working around the middle with Brogan adding the energy that she adds. Then I thought we grew into the game, and then I thought we started to hit them wide. And and then sure enough, it gets over in the corner in a in a, a weak spot that we think we thought we'd spotted. <clears throat> we start to get better field position early, um, and and then kind of on on what twenty five minutes we lose Sam Evans with a with a hamstring. She'll be out for a few weeks. Um, and then on on kind of into the thir- into thirty minutes, then we lose our other half in lobby and our captain, and and we also lose the Anna in second row, who's a a position where we haven't got much cover now with Phoebe with a broken hand and and Helena with a meniscus. So, um, so yeah, re- kind of really tough to lose them so early, and and obviously Katie Gary as well. Um, third or fourth minute of the game, Gary hobbles off with a with an ankle injury, so so that leaves us under the pump then. Um, and we talked at half time about getting Liana and Lobby stitched and getting them back on the field if we can and just us just having to tough it out until then but we just didn't manage that um you know Lobby's head in particular wasn't great so that that took a little while to get get her kind of treated um and then she wasn't the right thing to put her back onto the field so so that left 13 players then who who were brilliant um they, they gave absolutely everything to our cause and and I think when when I spoke to players afterwards I said in my opinion what you've just proven is that in a, you know, Featherston are absolutely beatable, um, and I think we still caused them trouble through that through that second half. I was a little disappointed not to post more points. If I'm really honest with you, I thought the opportunities were there. I just didn't think we we executed them and, and we and we kind of picked them. But we're playing with a nine at half. We're playing with Demi as, as other half, and um, and we've got play kind of, but but players who are used to being spelled out on the feet. So to to still cause them that trouble and to still kind of have opportunities to score points and to still kind of come away from that thinking actually that it's pretty close that that's probably a winnable game for us that I think is really good um, so I'm I'm nothing but proud of the effort that, that the players showed in some serious adversity um, I've never played so long with no with no subs before in in, in over a decade of coaching and, and the same for, for Don and Matt um, so to see him stand up like that was I was really proud of how they represented themselves as athletes um, but equally, I was I was really pleased with the structures that we did manage to put on and and, and what it showed in in Canada. So if I'm honest, I'm I'm nothing but excited to go again at them. Halfbacks Louise Fellingham and Sam Evans both went off with serious injuries, um, with other injuries as well uh, to your team. Meant you didn't have any interchange in the second half, but your ladies worked hard in the circumstances and should be proud of their efforts. Yeah, um, I suppose just preempted that question. I haven't then touched on it, but. Um, if I run you through the story of that game, um, then you've got kind of three or four minutes in, we lose Katie Gary. 25, 26 minutes in, we lose Sam Evans um, to, a, to a hamstring. She's not going back on the field and, and Katie can't either. Um, and then a clash of heads between Lobby and Liana, um, six or seven or eight minutes out from half time means that we lose both of those and, and both were quite nasty cuts and both have had stitches. So, so, that, so you lose both of them as well. And that leaves you limping through to half time. Um, and we were stood on the sideline thinking we just need to get them in the sheds and and regroup, um, and <clears throat> and then none of those players made it back onto the field, so that means that the thirteen that ended that half just had to dig deep. And if I, if I call a couple out across that, then 
oh, their efforts were unbelievable. You know, Abby Collins finishes the game with a with a hand injury, a, a sprain, and a wrist that 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 was sore, really sore. She had to do it really tough. Um, at second row for us, which which equally isn't her preferred position. Um, Vic Kinney was outstanding on the other side of the field at second row, just hitting everything that moved and defending as hard as she could and as tough as she could to try and make sure that that they limited, we limited their shape going wide. Um, and then you know our middles were just unbelievable. Serena and and Hickey, who normally spell, normally play fifteen twenty minutes in, and then we look to roll them. They've done sixty each in the front row against a big aggressive pack that we've already talked about. Um, Taz goes to half back and causes trouble. Demi was outstanding with a boot, and 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 I thought was a was a good defensive showing from her. And she's worked to work hard through kind of last few months to really try and get herself or fitter really, and that that really showed. Um, Sage was outstanding. Steph was outstanding. Both with really strong carries coming away from from our line to try and take a load off the um, off the off the pack as we tired. I, I was I was so proud of them. They they, they were unbelievable. I think the. The saying goes from a from a, a Salford kind of fans' point of view is you give us our heart and we'll give you yours and you know they get, they gave everything to to that shirt and that badge and yeah I think they deserve your hearts. What if anything did you learn from the defeat against Featherstone? Yeah, what did we learn from Featherstone? Um, yeah, good question. I'm, I'm perhaps going to be a little bold here. Um, so I think we proved that this is absolutely the stage that we deserve to be at. If there was ever any doubt outside of this group and there wasn't in it, but if there might have been any doubt outside of it, then <clears throat> I think we proved that that we are a, a very competitive Super League team um, and that's something that, that the players should be really proud of. So if I kind of try and, try and prove that to you, then Barrow and Featherstone are expected to finish first and second in some sort of order um, through this season. Featherstone have just beaten Barrow in the first Women's Super League game kind of a couple of weeks ago as, as we turned Castleford over. So... <clears throat> And then we've just gone toe to toe with Featherston at our place, and um, we've just done a video session with the with the players to say, you know, look, there are some defensive errors here that you force in the, in your style of play that we just didn't execute. So you execute those, and you, and you post some points, and that all of a sudden that's a bit of a different game. And then you bring our half back in, you bring in a couple of second rows back in, you um, you bring our captain back in, and and all of a sudden they're playing against a different Salford team for sixty minutes of that game. So, so I think we, I think I learn, and I, and I hope the girls learn, and I, and I hope that kind of the rest of Super League is starting to see that we are here to be competitive, to disrupt, and to, and to see where that takes us through the year. So, <clears throat> I think, um, if anything, I, what did I learn? I, I learned that we're right. This is exactly where we should be, and and we're going to fight tooth and nail to stay here. You still have Cardiff and Wigan left to play in the Challenge Cup, so the dream of a Wembley appearance lives on for now. Yeah, I certainly do. I've been been very clear for a for all through pre-season really that that we're in each competition that we're in to to really disrupt it and really have a go at it um and 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 that's kind of exactly what we did against Featherstone um I don't think they really expected the performance that they got from us especially not under such um such kind of adversity um but but that's what we served up and that's exactly what we'd expect to serve up we're, we're not here to be easy beats or to look back at it in a year's time and think wasn't that lovely? Got to play in the Challenge Cup that once. This is where we want to be every year, um, and we're determined to pl- to prove that through as many games as we've got left in either competition. So we prep well for Cardiff. Um, we we want to bring them to our place and give them a real challenge and try and get points on the board there. And then we look forward to going to Wigan in that in that final group game, and then we'll see where we stand after that. But um, I expect us to prepare properly, and I expect us to to go into that game, and and I expect us to have a chance of of, of ultimately winning both. Um, 
that's what we've worked so hard for through through pre-season. So, and, and that will take us as far as it takes us. Um, so yeah, the the dream of Wembley appearance lives on, but it's it's very much not our focus. It's our focus is 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 absolutely Cardiff, and then Wigan beyond that, and and then we'll see where we go from there. It's a week off. And then that, and then you face Cardiff at home on the seventh of May. Opportunity to bounce back. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so it's Cardiff, Cardiff up next on the seventh of May, and, and really excited for that. Um, I'm not sure that I'm going to ask the players to bounce back. I'm going to ask the players to continue. So, I think through through Wigan to Lee to to then go into Castleford and then and then coming kind of toe to toe with Fev on on Sunday. I'm going to ask the players to continue. Um, I want the, the same heart, I want the same desire, I want the same working around the rock, I want the same style of carries. I just want us to be a little bit smarter um, and I want us to, to kind of go back to perhaps playing a little bit heads up um, and, and when we do kind of force defensive structural errors then I want us to execute against them. Um, the fewer and f- further between in this league but but we forced them Sunday and they were there to, for you know, they, they were ultimately there for us to post points and then we'd have, you know, it would have been interesting to see what that would have done to, to the result. So, so no, no bouncing back in terms of an ask for me. Um, I'm not going to ask for anything additional from the players other than, other than that kind of playing a little bit smarter. <clears throat> um, but a chance to welcome Cardiff to our place in the Challenge Cup again. Be fantastic to see plenty of fans down there supporting the girls. That it makes it makes the world a difference to them, um, and us to be fair. Um, and yeah, we we look forward to going again rather than bouncing back. So that was Chris Bates talking to me after the game. Parking, he obviously was proud that his ladies put put the effort in. He's, he's he says that you know he competed against one of the favourites uh, in the division there, and it shows you know how far they've come. Yeah, it's just a learning curve, isn't it? As well, you know, we, we've said it about the the reserves in the you know in the last few weeks that every week they, they're going to pick up something new. They're getting you know just just the craft of the game and things like that. You know, you can pick up a lot by by defeat. You'll learn a lot in defeat and uh, playing against Fed, you know, and it, it was always going to be tough for us. We just, I was hoping that maybe, you know, a bit of home advantage and, and such might, might help. It didn't, but yeah, he, he's got to be, he's got to be happy. The progress we've made in, in such a short time is massive. So even to be competing at this level, you know, the teams we were putting big scores on last year, can you imagine what would have happened to them if they'd have played Fed this week? So that's where we've come from in the space of 12, you know, what twelve months or, or slightly more? Um, so he will be. He will be happy. He'll know that, that, that they'll get better, and we'll learn more, and you know we'll be more competitive going forward. Yep. So before the news, we'll see what's happening in the world of rugby league with Whiteside World of Rugby League. Here is this week's Devon the Detail Amateur Report and the world of rugby league. We'll start off this week with the National Conference League's Premier Division. Rochdale Mayfield continued their good run. They beat Hull Dockers by 60 points to 12. They've uh, moved up to fourth top with four wins from their five games so far this season. In the Oldham sort of section of the of the National Conference League that we look out for, Division 2, Mighton Warriors 12, Waterhead Warriors 28, Saddleworth Rangers 12, Wollstone Rovers 18. In Division 3, Oldham Sands beat Beverly by 26 points to 20. So, Waterhead Warriors stay top. They've played 5-1-5. Saddleworth Rangers are a bit lower down with two wins from six matches. In Division 3, Oldham Sands are top with five wins and just one defeat. There's just one fixture involving our local sides this weekend coming. Uh, Saturday the 29th of April in Division 2, Saddleworth Rangers are at home to Waterhead Warriors in a big Oldham derby. 
Well, moving on to the Northwest Men's League Division One on Saturday, twenty second of April, it was Dalton twenty six, West Hart and Lions twenty in Division One. Thatterley Crusaders A twenty two, Folly Lane thirty, and Wigan Saint Cuthbert thirty, Carrizad Rhinos sixteen in Division Three. Rochdale Hornets twenty seven, Clock Face Chargers A ten, Crossfields A fifty eight, Langworthy Reds six in the Alliance Division. Oldham Saint Anne's A beat Wigan Saint Jude's A by forty eight points. The four the fixtures for this week is Cup action, the North West Men's League Cup. Folly Lane face Charlie Panthers, Ashton Bears at home to Salford City Roosters in the North West Men's League Trophy. Preston and South Rebel Rabbit O's at home to Rochdale Hornets and Higginshaw face Langworthy Reds. And the Alliance Cup, Rochdale Mayfield A are at home to Wollstone Rovers A, Waterhead Warriors A are at home to Inns Rosebridge A and Thato Heath Crusaders A are at home to Oldham St Anne's A. Well, turning our attention to the North West under-18s and under-16s and youth leagues, in the under-18s, Division 1 of the weekend just gone, Kells 30, Saddleworth 22. In the under-16s, Lancashire Cup, West Bank Bears 48, West Horton Lions 6. In the North West Youth Cup, under-16, Saddleworth Rangers beat Culture the Eagles by 20 points to nil. In the under-15s, North West County Shield, Oldham St Anne's, 28, Bank Keeble 6, Saddleworth Rangers 20, Waterhead Warriors 6. In the under-14s, Lancashire Cup, Blackbrook Royals 50, Folly Lane 4, Oldham St Anne's Blacks 26, Waterhead Warriors 24, Oldham St Anne's Golds 12, Wigan St Jude's Maroons 40. In the under-14s, North West Counties Shield, Haysham Atoms 8, Salford City Roosters 38, and Pilkington Rex 56, Rochdale Mayfield 12. Also in the under-14s, Division Hang about. Oh, no, sorry. There's no results in Division 4. Oh, sorry, there was. Sorry, one result in Division 4. I need to get my glasses on. Wigan St. Pat's 60, Langworthy Reds 8. In the under-13s, Lancashire Cup, Goldbone Parkside Greens 25, Rochdale Mayfield 0. Saddleworth Rangers 20, Salford City Roosters 30. In the North-West Counties Shield, under-13, it was Hindley 25, Warhead Warriors 24. That one was after extra time. Oldham St. Anne's 25, Portico by 0. And Old, uh, West Hotton Lions 18, Wigan St. Jude's 26. The fixtures for this week are all played on Sunday, the 30th of April, in the Premier Division of the under 18s. Waterhead Warriors at home to Clockface Miners. In Division 1, it's Lee East against Saddleworth Rangers and Rochdale Mayfield face Goldburn Parkside. In the under 16s, Premier Division, Rochdale Mayfield at home to West Bank Bears. Under 16s, Division 1, Folly Lane face Thatto Heath. Hensingham face Salford City Roosters. Division 2, Saddleworth Rangers at home to West Hot and Lions. Division 3, Culture the Eagles face Langworthy Reds. In the under 15s, Lancashire Cup, Shevington Sharks at home to Rochdale Mayfield in Division 2 it's Oldham St Anne's against Newton Star in Division 3 Culture the Eagles face Waterhead Warriors and Witness Moorfield Tigers at home to Saddleworth Rangers under 14 is Lancashire Cup Lee Minor Rangers at home to Saddleworth Rangers in Division 1 it's sorry Division 2 it's Charlie Panthers against Waterhead Warriors Crossfields Vipers against Oldham St Anne's Golds in Division 3 Salford City Roosters at home to Lee East Thunder Division 4, Langley, the Reds face Portico Vine and Preston and South River Rabbitohs face the Accrington Wildcats. In the under-13s, Division 2, Burton Wood Bulldogs at home to Saddleworth Rangers. Salford City Roosters face Oldham St. Anne's Lee Minor Rangers Golds at home to Rochdale Mayfield. And in Division 3, Ashton Bears are at home to West Hart and Lions. Portico Vine face Waterhead Warriors. Well, let's turn our attention to France now. And it was the, uh, the Lord Derby Coupe de France the trophy triumph went to uh, to Caxon. They beat Albi Tigers by 36 points to 12, leading 10-8 at, at half-time. Morgan Escaray starred for uh, for Carcassonne, and uh, they got the result 
by 36 points to 12 in the end. Big crowd there, there's over 4,000 as well, so congratulations to Carcassonne for uh, winning that uh, first trophy of the season in France. Tony Gigo as well was playing for uh, for the Albi Tigers, so quite a few famous names over there playing the French League at the moment. Moving on to the NRL Premiership, it was round... Eight at the weekend just gone. We'll go through the scores now and have a look at how's that, how that's gone on. South Sydney Rabbit was 20, Penrith Panthers 18, Canterbury Bulldogs 20, Cronulla Sharks 33, North Queensland Cowboys 18, Newcastle Knights 16, the Dolphins 28, the Gold Coast Titans 26, West Tigers 16, Manly Seagulls 22, and Parramatta 16, Brisbane Broncos 26. So that leaves the league table looking like this at the moment. The Brisbane Broncos are top with seven wins and just one defeat. Then it's Manly Seagulls, Penrith Panthers, South Sydney Revitos, Cronulla Sharks, New Zealand Warriors, the Dolphins and Melbourne Storm make up the top eight. West Tigers stay bottom. They've lost seven from seven matches. The fixtures for this week, well, there's a couple of games on Anzac Day. So by the time you're listening to this, these uh, these matches are probably, well, these matches will have uh, gone ahead. Sydney Roos against St. George and Melbourne against New Zealand Warriors. Uh, round nine is on... Those are round eight games, by the way. Round nine gets underway on Thursday, the 27th. 10.50 in the morning, it's Cronulla against North Queensland Cowboys. On Friday, Parramatta Reels face Newcastle Knights and Brisbane Broncos at home to South Sydney Rabbits. There's two televised matches on Sky on Saturday morning. It's Canberra against the Dolphins at 6am. Manly Seagulls face Gold Coast Titans at half past eight. Penrith Panthers are at home to West Tigers at 10.35. Sunday, New Zealand Warriors face uh, Sydney Roosters and the televised game at five past seven is St. George Illawarra against against Canterbury Bulldogs. Well, moving on to Women's Rugby League, the Challenge Cup from the weekend. We've got the scores for you. Salford Red Devils ladies went down at home at the Salford Community Stadium by 22 points to eight against Featherstone Rovers in a real bruising encounter as well, trailing 12-4 at half-time. The ladies were uh, were beaten in the end, 22 points to eight. The other scores, London Broncos, Nil St. Helens, 76. Cardiff Demons, 20. Wigan Warriors, 38. Leeds, 72. Bradford Bulls, nil. Alton Redettes 4, Huddersfield Giants 54, Barrow 4, York Valoraki 44, Hulkar 16, Lee Leppers 38 and Castleford Tigers 0, Warrington Wolves 72. Well, finally this week, we'll have a look at domestic rugby league. There was one match played in the championship last Monday. That was Sheffield Eagles 16, Swinton Lions 6. The rest of the results were over the weekend. It was round 10 in the Super League. Casford Tigers 7, Hulkington Rovers 12. Hull FC, they got back to winning ways after a real dour run. They beat Huddersfield by 20 points to 14. Lee Leopards continued their good form. They beat Leeds Rhinos 20 points to 6. Salford Red Devils 16, Catalan Dragons 14. And a real bruising encounter at the Salford Stadium. St. Helens 28, Warrington 6. That game was played on Thursday night. And Wigan Warriors, they beat Wakefield by 22 points to 6. A lot of people perhaps thinking Wigan were going to absolutely plaster Wakefield, but 18-0 up at half-time, give Wakefield a bit of credit in that second half. Uh, they held out for long periods and were beating 22 points to 6. In the Challenge Cup, round 5, Batley Bulldogs 34, Keith Cougars 16, Halifax Panthers 26, Bradford Bulls nil, London Broncos 36, Dewsbury Rams 16 and York Knights 22, Newcastle Thunder 18. So those four sides, the winners there have gone through to the draw. I'll give you the draw shortly. We'll have a look at the fixtures this week. There's no uh, domestic games because of the international matches. It's just one actually, sorry, I, I, I tell a lie. Betfred League 1 Saturday, half past two. It's London Scholars against Dewsbury Rams. The other two games are mid-season internationals, the women. Uh, play England play France women at two o'clock. That's on Sky TV. And the mid-season international men is uh, England v France 
at half past four on Sky Television and both those games are going to be played at the Halliwell Jones Stadium in Warrington. So Super League table looks like this. Wigan Warriors are top. They've won eight from ten. Warrington is second on points difference with eight from ten. Then Hulkair have won seven from ten. Catalan six from ten. Salford six from ten. And then Saints are six with ten points with five from nine. Wakefield Trinity stay bottom. They've lost ten from ten so far this season. Can't really buy a win at the moment, the uh, Wakefield Trinity. So let's have a look at that Challenge Cup draw. Mm. Yep, the full draw is as follows. Catalan Dragons are at home to Warrington Wolves. Casford face Hull FC. York Knights are against London Broncos. That will guarantee a, uh, a championship right side through to the quarterfinals. Halifax Panthers are at home to St. Helens. Hull KR face Batley Bulldogs. Wakefield against Leeds Leopards. Leeds Rhinos face Wigan Warriors. And Salford Red Devils with the last home team drawn out of the hat. They've drawn Huddersfield Giants. So what a cracking draw that is. Some, uh, some good ties there. Those ties, I think, will be played... Uh, yes, yeah, six round. It will be played over the weekend of 19th to the 21st of May with two games selected for BBC television coverage. So can't wait for that. Should be fantastic. So that's all I've got for you. Enjoy the internationals this weekend. I won't see you now until a uh, week on Friday when we're at uh, Leeds Rhino. So take care. Have a good week. And I'll see you soon. So that's the, the review of both our matches this week. And now we'll look at all the big news coming out of the club. So we'll start with the big news. Red rides, red rides together, Parker. It's a it's a thing the club have brought out to dry and sort of generate some income, and we all get a, a share in the club. Exciting times. Yeah, it's a great opportunity, isn't it? You know, we all sit there and say they should do this, they should do that. Why don't the club do this? Why? Well, now is the chance. You know, you put your money where your mouth is. Mm. You buy your share. You know, you put hundred quid down and. And you'll get your say, you know, you get your day in the sun whenever, you know, there's a meeting or whatever, you get you get to guide where the club goes from now on. There's no need for just, you know, people having to grumble about things and, you know, moaning about who's in charge or this, that and the other. I mean, I don't think anybody could moan at the moment because we've been, you know, we've been led brilliantly in the last couple of years. And anyone who read the, the article on Twitter, well, I found it on Twitter, I read it yesterday, but Paul King put together. There's, there's no doubt where his heart is and his heart, you know, and everything else for, for this club. And he's doing everything that we're doing now for the right reasons. Uh, so, yeah, it's a great chance for, for people to get involved. You know, 100 quid to what? I don't know, a million, whatever you want. I don't know. But I know there are stipulations. But we need it. You know, this it's a great chance for a cash injection to the club. But it's not going to come from anywhere else except us. You know, nobody's just going to turn up and drop money on, on the club's lap. And then it gives us a chance of, of developing the club further. We, we do so much on such a shoestring, you know, and a skeleton staff. Hopefully we could go out and maybe employ a couple of more people to, you know, people we all moan about, you know, the marketing and that kind of thing. Well, there's no budget at the moment for it and nobody to actually really take it forward in many ways. So then you can get somebody in, you can get a professional to do this, you get, you know, even even an outside provider, whatever, but, but they need the money. And they, this is a chance for us to put it together. And there's so many things going on at the club, the projects we, they've got going on, the community side, you know, the team, we just mentioned the women's team, the reserves, the under-16s, the wheelchair, the learning disability, physical disability, all this needs funding. It all needs money from somewhere, which comes out of one pot, you know, and that pot is also trying to fund a competitive first team, which is, you know, it's what it's all about. It's where it is. You know, if we get a winning team on the pitch, more people turn up. So we can all be part of that now. 
And yeah, I mean, I, all I can say is just get involved, do it. You know, and no times are hard, very hard for everybody. Uh, and you know, someone might say it's only hundred quid. Hundred quid to to one person is is a lot of money that they haven't got at the moment. But you know, do what you can to to you know to get involved, and, and then you can have your say. Yeah, I often say at our club is the opportunity club. Players come to play Super League and try and reach the next level and take the club with it. This is an opportunity for us fans to invest in the club and and help them go to the next level. Yeah, there is sort of you know little details which we'll we'll go through and, and the targets which they which they might have. And if obviously if you're in that position that you've got a spare few grand lying about and you you have that opportunity to put it into the club, go and do it because you'll, you'll make a difference because you, you don't, in life, you very rarely make a difference but this is an opportunity to do that, Paul. Yeah, I think it's probably the, the only really option, isn't it? We've not got anybody who, who's coming to sort of say, well, I'll buy the club or I'll put all this money in so you can't just keep floating along can you you have got to pay for things and what have you but like Parkinson, said I think it's we do sort of moan sometimes oh, why didn't they advertise this or why didn't they put posters up for this or why didn't they do that or why didn't they do and you can't when you've got no money you do need people to do it there's not that many people who work for the club I mean you've only got to go to like Leeds or Wigan or St. Helens or whatever look at the amount of people that work there at the ground there's, mm. you'll look at we notice it don't we? we're doing the interviews in the corridor right every week you'll see the away team right and how many staff do they have Castleford there's loads of them all people carrying their bags out. There's about 10 coaches. There's there's people bringing their pizzas in. There's a load of physio. What's all for got? We, we haven't, but you need money to pay these people, don't you? And it's the same right throughout the club. So I think it's a great initiative and it it just gives it that, you know, we, we say that we're run by the supporters and it's a you know community-run club. Now it will be. It will be completely run by the community and, and by the supporters. And I mean, you, you're not going like, to have a sub- people or oh, I put a grand in I'm going to pick the coach now or are we signing that player we signing this player you're still going to have people rugby people doing the rugby decisions aren't you I'm not, I think it's a great initiative and you know that the people that we've got at the club you know supporters trust you know supporters that you know people faces that you see these people are a solid earth people aren't they I mean you can ream them off it's like doing the register when you come to Salford isn't it the, the people that you're there you've just known them for, for years and, and the people who've got the club at heart aren't they people who love this club and you know Paul King's one of those people so obviously he needs a bit of help and rather than him just doing it we're all going to jump on the bandwagon and do it with him and I think yeah. that's the way forward yeah obviously the details are we're going to try and raise £2 million the first target is uh quarter of a million quid and then a million pound and then a maximum we're going to try and raise is two million pound the minimum share is a hundred pound the maximum share is a hundred thousand pounds if you're a business basically they've changed the salford rd holdings limited and converted it to a society from the 19th of december don't forget obviously the money put in you could lose there's no guarantees in that but they talk about the target's Paul, and if they get to £250,000, that'll improve the squad and the infrastructure in the club to allow them to possibly get any rating for the IMG. Well, yeah, that's important now, isn't it, as well, you know, with this 
I mean, I'm a bit cynical about that. I think it, I don't think it'll last long. I think that'll all change around again because it always seems to do in rugby league, doesn't it? Things chop and change, don't it? Like you change your underpants, but we'll have to just watch how that goes. But no, I think for me, what we want is the club to be stable and have a stable future and a positive future. And like it or not, in modern day life now, money's everything, isn't it? I mean, it shouldn't be, but it, but it is. Everything's run by money, sport, entertainment. You know, you you only got to look at how how expensive things are now. Look at your mortgage. Look at you when you go shopping, and that everything's just just gone through the roof. So it's the same in sport. So we we, we need that money there. So yeah, I think it's a great initiative, and and I've seen already. I think I've just had a look on Twitter tonight. I got home from work, and I think they've got fifty grand already there, haven't they? So it's been an amazing start in a couple of days. Yeah, and then when they get over. £250,000 at Parker. They can look at sort of by creating a museum or a base with the for the community to come out from. They can get development offers in the offices in the local area of Salford and Manchester to, to grow rugby league participation and get more staff in the club to do more content. And it'll be, you know, it'll snowball from there. Yeah, who knows? A shop or a store of some sort. You never know in the long run, depending how successful this is. You know, that's something else we can have input in. Everyone moans about that. You know, well, it costs money to do that. It costs money to, to hire a space or, or whatever you want. You get somebody to run it, you know. Some people may do it voluntary, I don't know. But at the same point, we need, you know, we need money. So, yeah, but I think for me, it adds a level of transparency now. Uh, and I'm not not with the current regime, but but previously, as was mentioned in, in, in the article I mentioned earlier, that, a previous owner who who pretended that he was throwing money into the club was actually not doing so and left us in an awful state. We wouldn't know that as fans. We would have no vision of that. Well, now, going forward, if you're a shareholder, you can see what's going on. You can say, hang on, this isn't right. You can't, you know, there's, there's no bluffing now. There's no one in, in direct control in that way. There's nobody going to, it's not a dictatorship. You know, you elect who's going to be your chair and who you trust and who you think has got the club at heart, I mean, for me at the moment, I still don't think he's probably a more outstanding candidate than Paul King anyway, but um, you never know who comes forward, do you? That, that's the great thing. And the other thing is, now it gives you input. There's a lot of people, a lot of fans out there with brilliant ideas who never get heard or never come forward with them or, or like, now's your chance. You can say to them and the club might go, or somebody there go, that's, that's fantastic. Why don't we do that? That's so simple. I mean, not on the same level by any means, but but you know we go back to to the supporters trust and the sponsor a tribe thing. Simple, absolutely simple. It brings money in, brilliant. You know, but that on a grander scale, somebody who who was at the game on Sunday will have had an idea in the past, or what will come to them that they can now put forward as a shareholder at a meeting or something like that. Say, why don't we do this? And it's an option that can be looked at or discussed. And then, you know, an outcome can come from it. I think it's it's a bit of a no-brainer, really, in that way. There's plenty of risk involved for, for the club, more than anything else. I know you say you may lose your money. I'm not sure you're ever going to get money back. That's not, you yeah. know, this, this is this is you putting money in. It's not really an investment as such, except in your own love of the club yeah. and your entertainment. You're basically, you know, you pay a TV licence so you can watch EastEnders, you know, I mean... I'd rather give my money to South Rugby League Club so I can continue watching them for the next however long I'm alive. You know, that's 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 the dream. And hopefully we can all be part of this ongoing success, this story that we've got already. Look what we do with no money. Can you imagine what we could do with money? Mm. You know, and this is our this is for us now and it's our chance. Yeah. 
like Parky said, you get a community share where you won't get any dividend if the club make any money, but we're not putting the money in to make the money. We're putting the money in to help the club grow. But there is positives as well because when they've done the infrastructure, there is going to be like subcommittees they're going to organise for tickets and game day experience. So if you think you've got ideas to add to the mix, you could possibly get on them committees and help the game day experience, Paul. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be people who, who want to get involved with that. And for all those different things, that much stuff, isn't there, to organise and, and things like that. It's it's mind-blowing, really, isn't it, when you think about it. But, no, I think it's a great start. And just like you were mentioning there about, you know, getting development offices and, and getting a shop and things like that, these are all massive things, aren't they, that, that, you know, could take us up to be up there with, the, you know, the likes of Leeds and St. Helens and Wigan and teams like that who've, we've already got that infrastructure we're probably just a bit behind them but through no fault of our own so uh, so yeah it's exciting times it really is it's a, I think it's a great initiative I'm just glad that the club have been pioneers in it really you know we're the first club who've ever come up with something like this so once again Salford Rugby League Club is, uh, is, is leading the way yeah so June 2024 when they'll all get it organised in the end and, and possibly see sort of new directors occur uh, I think people who are directors now can apply again if they want to as well. So that's something to, to look forward to. Looking at the different options available to us, you can have an owner share, which is one share, one vote. You get a virtual certificate. You get the ability to stand for election. You get a bi-weekly newsletter. You get a pin badge and you get a special sort of match day ticket. You know, if like if we get to a semi-final, I suppose you become the priority packer. Yeah, I mean... There's always going to be benefits in each level of, of sponsorship or whatever you call it, really. But I don't think any of us would be putting our money in for that. I don't think it's what we, like I say, it's not what we get out except for having a successful rugby league club going forward. And I think I think the other key is, now you've just mentioned there, that it doesn't really go live till next year, middle of next year, obviously. But, but we know in advance how many people are involved, how much money's gone in, how much shares. We can start planning now for next season and beyond. You know, we can say, we know what's there. We know what's what's going to happen. We know we've got an influx of money coming from this to go here. So we can start interviewing for people or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, you're talking players about contracts and stuff, but actually the, the infrastructure of the club and putting things in place for the next community project. So to know that that money's going to be there. So it's, we've got a year now to, to you know, get this, get, get this money and get it sorted and have plans in place ready to roll straight away. Yeah, so owner plus option, one share, one vote, real certificate, same stuff as in the owner category, but you get exclusive content on any kind of open days, etc. You get a year's subscription to RDTV, so that's £250 that you put in for that. Owner Plus is the same as Owner Plus, but you get a twenty twenty. You get involved in the twenty twenty four team photo. You get discount room bookings, and you also get money can't buy match day experiences for a thousand pound. Paul, yeah, sounds good. Sounds good to me. I mean, it'd be like that squad builder thing, that isn't it? Mm. That was a bit like that, wasn't it? Similar sort of thing. But yeah, you put money in, you get these sort of, you know, it's a thousand pound, but they're like mega things out of them getting you on the team picture with the players it's like, it's like uh, yeah sounds good to me I'll just raise a grand now <laughs> <laughs> and then if you want to be part of the president's club that's £10,000 and they'll tailor your things about what you get for that kind of money Parky but that's more 
targeted at businesses really than individuals. You might have ten grand laying, laying on the in the in the draw next year. You think you know what? I'll pop that in to to Paul King on Monday. But I think for that kind of thing, it's probably for businesses and it's about exposure for them because obviously you can use being an, a president club owner to your advantage in your own business and networking. Yeah, let me just check that draw. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it is more, I see, it is for, for business and it's a great way of, you know, depending on what, what the benefits are from it, you know, you can get get other people involved as in, you know, some of your business clients and that kind of thing or reward your staff or, or what, you know, you say, you know, employer of the month gets, you know, whatever, you know, a day out of the match and meal and that's I don't know how they're going to do it but the, the average fan 100 quid is is you know, the minimum and probably what you, most people would end up putting in I, I'd suspect I mean people will put more in people have you know a little bit a little bit flusher you know a thousand pounds it's not out of the, the madness of realms it's it's, it's, it's fine a thousand pounds over, over you know fit for a year is not, not too bad. And then you got the 10 grand, which again, like you said, I mean, for some people, yeah, why not? You know, there are people involved in, in solve Rugby League who probably already put that in every year in one way or another. So it's just another way. Yeah, they, I mean, they've got, you know, they've got a set, set limits somewhere, haven't they? And targets and so on. So, yeah, I'm sure businesses, local businesses in the area will, will benefit from that and, uh, you know, put the money in. Yeah. So sad news reached us this week. A soul for great. Mike Coolen passed away, uh, Paul. You know, a tremendous uh, character, uh, a friend of the show, a great man. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was sad because Mike's been pretty poorly for a while now, you know, with his, his illness and that that he's had. So, uh, yeah, it's been sad. He's struggled with that for a while. And, you know, speaking to people, I think of a certain generation, I think Mike's the hero, isn't he? Massive hero of that team of the 70s, played for Solver for such a long time, you know. I think he's the third top appearance maker of all time, uh, Mike. So, um, so yeah, yeah, really, really sad news, you know, uh, in passing away. And, and yeah, he, he's an absolute gentleman as well. I think everyone who's ever met him will, will tell you that. Really, really lovely, warm, sort of humble person. Very, when I first spoke to him, I was in awe of him, really, because my dad had told me all about him and what have you. And you, you expect, you know, somebody to be like, I don't know, you didn't expect to be as humble as he was. And he, he was just lovely, just just really, really nice and sort of asking me how I was and not really sort of going on about his career. He's more concerned about how you were and what, what you were doing. So, yeah, there's not many people about like that. And, you know, he'll be, he'll be sadly missed. Yeah, obviously, his funerals, was it Rochdale Crematorium, Paul? Yeah, it's on Monday the 15th of May, uh, 20 past one, and it's at Rochdale Crematorium. For people who are not too sure where it is, if you go into the old Rochdale Arnett's, Rochdale Football Ground, if you go up the main road, you come to Pub Call the Cemetery on you just right in front of you. Well, the creme's there just on the left, just on Sandy Lane. So it's right near the near the old Spotland ground. Hmm. Parker, you know, tremendous player for us, iconic in the in the seventies in the in the Quality Street uh, gang, you know, our thoughts are with his friends and family at this time. Oh, absolutely. You know, when I when I heard the news the other night and I messaged Paul straight away to see because I, I knew he'd have the the low down, you know, if you, you know, you were things. Um, absolutely devastated. Um, when you say, when you use the word legend, a lot of the time, you know, it can be used as a joke or it can be, you know, for whatever reason. Uh, Mike fits it in every single reason there's ever been. 
as a, a as a player, obviously, you know, I, I, an unbelievable forward, a, a man mountain in, in many ways. Um, but more more in the way that even now you can start a conversation in a pub, and anyone mentions that you know Salford, and you'll get somebody as I used to go in the seventies, and it will be you know like a a bit like a, a law best Charlton sort of thing, if you like. You know, they go, oh, Watkins, Dixon, Kuhlman. You know, straight away, Mike Kuhlman's name is there. He is a legend. I'm like Paul. You know, I lived off stories that my dad had told me. And, and my oldest brother, Steve, you know, they obviously watched him, uh, watched him through that period. Uh, I, I, obviously a great player, a leader in a pack, you know, and, and it, it will be sadly missed. But, like, I want to just want to echo what Paul said as well about him being a, a gentleman. Uh, I've, I had the honour to meet him a couple of times at, uh, at the Willows um, at once at the AJ Bell. Um, spoke to him very, like I say, very mild man, a bit of a gentle giant in many ways. Uh, but I, I was the same. I was just in awe. I wanted to listen to him. I wanted to talk to him. But he wasn't, he wasn't somebody who would brag. He wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't boast. He didn't, even though he'd had the career he'd had. Um, so yeah, very, very going to be very sadly missed, obviously, by everyone and at the club and. Um, we, we, you know, hopefully those who did get to see him, who were lucky enough to watch him in his prime, you know, can, can keep regaling us with these stories because, uh, you know, long live the, the memory of these kind of guys. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just want to send my, you know, my condolences to his family. So that's the end of part one of this week's uh, Devil in the Detail podcast. Big thanks for tuning in and we'll be back soon for part two. So, if you want to join us or listen to our content, you can find us on Facebook, Devil the Detail SRD. You can find us on Twitter at the ITD SRD. And you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Radio Contact, Spotify, and YouTube. See you soon.